on this episode of Three Bro Sports Podcast, the podcast of three college students you could just talk about sports forever. We're going over. The NFL has now been coming out with some rumors saying that Colin Kaepernick has a mystery team that's looking to sign him right now. There's a lot of teams out there that could easily use a backup or possibly a starter. We're going to be giving our takes on who may, that team may be. Also, the MLB draft just went down a few nights ago. I have a personal take uh, for the teams that decided to botch their pick and pick a guy that wasn't going to be drafted until, let's just say, the fifth round. But we also got a special guest coming on for you today. We have not just one, but two. We got Saad Youssef, a writer for The Athletic, Dallas-Fort Worth, covering the Dallas Mavericks. He's coming on to talk about Luka Doncic, how amazing of a season he's had so far. Also, his starting five lineup. If he meshed up all of his favorite teams from the Mavericks era. Also, we got Matt Brook, a reporter for the Nets Daily from SB Nation. My favorite SB Nation account as of right now since Sacktown Royalty was removed from the website. Long story about it. Don't want to get into it. We're going over with him. Way too many Sacramento Kings references. I'll give you that right now. So if you're not a Sacramento Kings fan or if you're tired of us talking about that, you could skip ahead a couple parts if you want. Also, why we love Juan Schumpert. Also, his thoughts on Jacques Vaughn, the next coach for the Nets, and much, much more. But first, this is Jay Stevens of the Jay Stevens podcast, and you're listening to Three Bros Sports. But first, shut up and sit down. Hey, welcome back to another Three Bros Sports podcast. The podcast of three college students who could just talk about sports forever. I'm Connor. I'm Tarek. I'm Rick. As you can tell, there was a different name. Before I get in, into uh, Rick's name, uh, Calvin was unable to join us today. Just We had some schedule conflicts as we had to record this on Friday. It's a day where Calvin works. Calvin will be on with us next week, so don't you fear for all the people who uh, miss Calvin and, and all of his hockey takes and the jersey ideas. Tarek's joining us for today, as you can tell with his enthusiasm. He is hyped up to be here today. Am I right? That's completely correct. I also went through my uh, my uh, middle school flashback where my voice is cracking again. That's not true. Uh, I really do appreciate being here. I did not know uh, we had a Rick with us, so that actually confuses me. And I'd like to speak to my lawyer about that. Yeah, because but, on our screen that we're recording with, I see a Brett. Now, yeah. Now, wh- who's Rick? Now, I mean, for our path listeners, you, you know that I use a different name for every podcast. But, Connor, you know, a wise man once said, I'm Rick James, so Whoa. we'll use we'll use I woke up <laughs> I woke up feeling believe. dangerous. You Wait. know, the audience doesn't have to worry. I edit these, I'll add my little sensor there, but you know, we woke up feeling <laughs> dangerous. I missed the last episode, so I'm back I'm back. Uh, I know the audience missed my random names and you know, if you haven't seen that Dave Chappelle skit, you're you're missing out. You know what? Yes, you are to all the fans out there who have not heard about that. And now we're getting closer and closer to live sports coming back, especially with the NBA. There's just been a lot of uh, reports going around. And I think the biggest one off the bat has to be about Colin Kaepernick now with the recent events that's been going on throughout the country. Of uh, The NFL has now came out saying we were wrong to have been against players peacefully protesting, taking a knee, and that we will now support it. The question that's been going around about Colin Kaepernick of, well, he was the one who started it. He was the one giving the most flack. Teams didn't want him for the media controversy. Pete Carroll recently came out saying it was one of the biggest mistakes he made, not signing him. 
as the Seahawks were the last team he had a workout with. Now, there's been some rumors that Carroll started saying that there's a mystery team interested in getting Kaepernick. Now, as me and Tark are diehard 49ers fans, I think everybody has their vast opinion on Colin Kaepernick. And personally, I didn't feel as if in 2016 he was good enough to be a starter and that there were some backups that were better than him. And I could understand a team's perspective of, look, there's just a whole media controversy and Kaepernick, he's not even going to be our franchise player. It just seems a little tough to go after him. Now with things lightening up and he's looking more as a leader for this uh, protesting, what what mystery team is really going at after him right now? I mean, there's so many, like, it's really interesting to think about because it's like, I mean, basically at this point, it can be 30 other teams. I mean, I'm, I'm going to rule out San Francisco and Seattle. I mean, Seattle wouldn't go out and be like, well, there's a bunch of mystery teams, but uh, guess what? What if it was us? Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, that would not be the the case. It's just so interesting to wrap your head around. Um, I'll bring up one team here, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and now and we mentioned this off air, and I, I kind of spoke of their name. Uh, but uh, and I know Connor, you mentioned they have Blake Bortles. But think about that. They have Blake Bortles. That really resides well with Rams fans. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have Blake Bortles. Do back hey, up Jared Goff. Hey, hey one, one interesting fun fact about uh, Bortles, he has a higher passer rating in the playoffs than Tom Brady. So that's telling you something right there. Wow. Don't don't forget about it. Wow. And if you multiply uh, Blake Bortles' playoff appearances by about 15, it evens up as well. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it uh, with Blake Bortles, and uh, I mean, the other thing, the other reason why they might look at uh, Sian Kaepernick is because we look at uh, where, the, where the Rams have been put in and in a situation where they could possibly be the worst team in the NFC West. Uh, I mean, let's be fair. The Arizona Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins uh, and uh, and uh, Isaiah Simmons, uh, they're looking pretty good in that West. And the Rams need something to kind of not only boost themselves on the field, but off the field. They might be looking at you know putting some new fans in that stadium. And, um, I mean, you got the big media market out there. It would, I think, be a uh, dec- not a terrible move for the Rams uh, if uh, they wanted to add uh, Colin Kaepernick there. And remember, with all these teams that signed Kaepernick, he can still be used in a uh, complementary uh, facet, uh, even as a backup. You remember with the 49ers back in 2012, even 2011, when Alex Smith was the starter and they used him in certain packages as a wide receiver, in the Wildcat. Uh, you know, and then different kind of things where he was uh, still involved. And I could see the Rams doing that with their uh, with the way they run their offense. So there's yeah. one team right there. I mean, definitely could be a possibility. It just seems weird because Goff, it, it's true. He didn't have a great season uh, when it came to wins and losses. He didn't look like a true leader out there. But he was tied for first in, in most passing attempts, third out of all quarterbacks and passing yards with 4,600. It's like those numbers will still solidify. He can still throw it. Now, it's tough when, you, when you're planning to be having Gurley out there, and it just never came to fruition with his health throughout the entire year. So I'm curious because it is tough for me to say that the Rams are bad now. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. I don't think there's any other way to, to hide that. Their defense should be still one of the better defenses in the NFL. I think they, they had a small fall off last year. It was a little tough with all the extra talent meshed in, but you give them a training camp or whatever you're going to call as a training camp, and they could mesh back. The NFC West is such a tough division. It's 
it's really hard for me to say who'd be in dead last because I could make the argument for the Cardinals being last going eight yeah. and eight. Yeah, you could. Um, <clears throat> I, I will say, I mean, the Rams, I don't think are a bad team. I will say that um, I, I look at how much talent they've lost. And listen, any team with Aaron Donald on defense still racking up uh, uh, just, sw- I, for lack of a better word, just swagging it out there. Uh, you know, it's always going to be, at the very least, a, a decent team. And the Rams will be a decent team. They still have weapons out there, and they're still going to be an okay team. It's just, it's it's a case of, like, are they, like, and I, they could finish in front of the Cardinals easily, especially uh, if one of those two teams gets uh, hit by injuries. But the thing is, is that I don't see either one of them being, explosive enough to take over the top two teams in the division, the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. They just don't have the depth, really, especially the Rams. You see a few key players, but they really don't have that depth, and that's why they lost to those key games down the stretch. That depth really cost them in games like uh, in Pittsburgh and in San Francisco. So that's what I see when I look at the Rams. Um, but other spots for uh, for Kaepernick, though, one that I mentioned uh, might be the most likely uh, from an on the field perspective, would be the New England Patriots, uh, because no, right now pass, pass. You think pass? pass. Well, no, here let me let me explain on. before you. Pass I know you're going to disagree with that, but I will say this: from an on the field standpoint, it might make sense because you have you're you're ready to start Jared Stidham. Is that how you pronounce it, Stidham? Uh, yeah, I mean, you want. yeah, whatever I want, right? He's just like, yeah, whatever it is. And Brian Hoyer. I mean, listen, Connor, we know Brian Hoyer. We saw Brian Hoyer. The 2017 MVP for the 49ers, when I was out at Levi Stadium with you, screaming to all the fans after his all the fans. awful game. Not many but people me, were there, Connor. Not many, <laughs> but still, I was screaming out to them that he will you be were. the 2017 MVP. You and were. I uh, don't appreciate the disrespect put on him. Rick, you uh, got to back me up on this one. Rick, I need some help here. <laughs> I can't really help you there with Brian Hoyer. I mean, we're, we've seen how that's worked out. He's had plenty of opportunities, and it's never ended pre- yeah. pretty. Um, hey, you remember that one preseason game with Brian Hoyer? Go, he, he let the Browns go 7-9 <laughs> hey, and nine on Hey, if watch. anyone – And you know who the offensive coordinator was? It was Kyle Shanahan. If anyone can pull off uh, being bald, it's Brian Hoyer, that's for sure. But if we're talking about uh, <laughs> NFC West teams, I mean, an interesting team might even be the Seahawks. I mean, they've had talks with Kaepernick in the past – Pete Carroll has come out recently with everything that's going on saying that, you know, he regretted not signing Kaepernick. Um, and they've shown in the past that they're willing to bring in players with uh, controversial pasts. I mean, this isn't really controversial. If anything, it would look better for a team to sign Kaepernick now than it did a couple years ago when everyone was upset with disrespecting the flag and, and that argument. But, you know, they brought in Josh Gordon. You know, Russell Wilson's been an advocate for Antonio Brown, so... This, the Seahawks could be another team that would be in the running, but I also read an article of that was put out about five teams he could go to, and I kind of would be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this. What about the Titans? I mean, they just got Ryan Tannehill. You know, he played well last year. Handing, you don't need any he, better than Tannehill. He did really good handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. Don't get me wrong, but if could you, you know, if, if something were to happen, I'm not even sure who Tennessee's backup is right now. I mean, they don't uh, have more. Logan Woodside. Okay. Well, I'm not sure who that. And the fact that you've never heard I'm of not sure who that is. Yeah, so that, that would be a good place to get Kaepernick. Because look, I mean, look at Cam Newton right now. I mean, he's he can't even find a starting job right now. The starting jobs are slim right now. I mean, you could make an argument for Jacksonville, you know, maybe just because of Minshew's lack of experience. But 
you know, it's going to be tough for Kaepernick to find a place where he can go in and start day one. So I think the Titans could be a good place. But what do you guys think about that? Um, uh, Connor, you go first. I'll, yeah. I, I'm going to give myself time to think about it. The Titans are, are, are definitely an interesting situation because a quarter – a quarterback out in, in Tennessee, they don't have to do much. They, they really don't. It's your handing off to Henry, and cool. it's going to be like 15-yard uh, completions. That, that's really all you're looking for. You're not looking for a gunslinger. I think Ryan Tannehill is a perfect field manager uh, for for them. Kaepernick could be interesting as he adds a different flair, but is that offense really built to have a guy like him around there? Now, I, I know, Brett, you're asking us for your feedbacks on it, but I, I wanted to at least ask you because – of the whole situation that's gone around in Minneapolis, there's been a lot of people saying, you know what, the Vikings need to go get Kaepernick. Now, I know you're asking us about how the Titans are, but would the Vikings be a better possibility than the Titans? I mean, the Vikings could certainly be a possibility. I mean, our backup right now is Sean Mannion. I mean... Okay, see the third stringer is, by the way. Um, Jake Browning. Yeah, Jake Browning. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, hey, it used to be a guy... Wait, and... Jake Browning's a Fulsome product. Yes, we broadcasted one of his games, actually. Yeah, I just want to mention that real quick. Jake Browning went to a nearby uh, high school out in Northern California that we live by out in Roseville. Uh, he came to Wood Creek and I think threw, am I like, right, eight touchdowns in one yeah, game? It, yeah, by the he, third he quarter. <laughs> and us yep. as broadcasters had to stand there and be like, ah, it's happening again. Ah, crap. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't now. know too much <laughs> about Brand, uh, Browning. I know that he was uh, undrafted and we signed him for a pretty big uh, check for an undrafted free agent. So, the, you know, they do have some confidence there. But we, we saw Sean, Sean Mannion come in the game and start in week 17 last season, and it was rough. I mean, if anything was, was to happen to Kirk Cousins, I mean, luckily he's been – able to avoid injuries for most of his career, but you like that? <laughs> I do like that. I mean, I, I, I like that better than Sean Mannion having to start more than one game for us. That's for sure. So I think, you know, like you mentioned with Minneapolis being the center of where everything started, you know, it, it makes sense for them to sign them. I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset certainly, but I'm not sure that he would get much playing time. Yeah. I mean, could I throw out one more name or one more team? Go for it. Quick. I like the Carolina Panthers. You know, the more I look into them, I mean, they just signed Teddy Bridgewater. So realistically, if, unless Bridgewater struggles, because let's be fair, he hasn't been a full-time starting QB in a while. Uh, Kaepernick would probably be the backup in this situation. And you look at the other quarterbacks, you've got Will Greer and Philip Walker. And Walker, now he did a great job in the XFL, was probably their best player. But you're taking a big risk counting on someone from the XFL to be successful in the NFL. Plus, you look at the fact that um, Panthers ownership has got David Tepet, who has been called the most, and this is true, the most woke owner in the NFL. Uh, think of that what wow. you will. And uh, the, the the Panthers also have Eric Reed, former 49ers safety, who, um, if you may remember, uh, was side by side with Kaepernick in these protests. So there might be a little uh, urgency from that side to get him uh, down into uh, North Carolina. So uh, it's obviously geographically maybe not the greatest fit, but the team-wise, I could see it happening there too. Yeah, the opportunities are endless. We, we could go on about that forever. Of every single team, you can easily make an argument, well, you could use somebody with a more mobile uh uh, type of play but who who knows honestly until it happens because there was al always the rumors about it possibly going on and then nothing ever happened his workout last season that went really uh poorly uh, for a pr 
standpoint. Um, there's a lot that we could always go over, but I want to keep things rolling around throughout all three major sports. And I think going into the MLB, we have to go over the draft as there was a trend going on and there was only one, maybe two teams in particular that I really had a small bone to pick with. And I know one may seem a little biased just because Uh of, you know, I'm not, I'm maybe not the world's biggest uh, (laughs) new England sports fan, but the Boston Red Sox had the 17th overall pick going into this year's draft 17th. And they decided to pick Nick York. He's a second baseman from, uh, Arta Bishop uh, Mitty, and th- that's in the Northern California area. So he's more of a local product. Uh, yeah, San Jose. Park, yeah. yeah, in the t- San Jose area. I want to point out, so he's drafted 17th overall, but ranked 139th. Now, people would ask, why are they doing that? Well, the reason why you would do such a thing is because you can try to lowball that player and give him a ridiculously low contract that they will refuse in order – for that team to get another first round pick to next year's draft and to also avoid having to pay a big signing bonus right now when teams are not getting their profits because you know how owners are. They need to either get 100% of the profits or they're not going to play a single game. As their negotiations are going on forever, I I could talk about that uh, at a later date. But Tarek, I know... I know Brett is our big baseball analysis, but I, I know he may want to just sit out on this one because he has a lot to say oh, and man. we have limited time here. Oh yeah, I could go all day. <laughs> if about you this. were given out, I know I, I don't want I don't want to uh, I don't want to do that to you right now. If you had to go off a couple winners and losers throughout this draft, who would you be going with in particular? So, so me, you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, go for it, buddy. All right. Well, first loser is Rob Manfred because he's Rob Manfred. Yeah. Uh, and that's our point. I mean, taking that lonely podium, going, "Hi, everybody. Uh, you guys enjoying no baseball?" Boo! I mean, like, come on. He's the biggest loser of them all. Um, now, uh, and I guess when I look at winners like in the draft, I kind of like uh, what the Rays did at number twenty-four. Uh, yep. The guy's name is pretty cool too, Nick Bitsko. Uh, you've got a guy there at uh, a 24 who uh, really honestly was projected, um, as I'm looking here on the MLB draft tracker, at 14. I mean, you got right here a, a pitcher at 6'4", 225 pounds uh, at a high school that at out of uh, sorry Central Bucks High School, Pennsylvania, and uh, put on a little tape for him. I mean, he looks pretty impressive. Uh, and I mean, you know what the Rays can do with pitchers. I mean, we're talking David Price, we're talking Blake Snell. Uh, you know, it's it just like the names go on and on. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I like that pick. It's a good value pick there uh, out there in Tampa Bay. And again, I'm going to sound, you know, kind of like I'm tooting my own horn here, but I'll go with the Oakland A's. I like what they did. I, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I like at 26 take, taking Tyler uh, Soderstrom, who is a local guy from out here, Turlock High School, which is about an hour and a half, two hours away from Roseville, uh, maybe about uh, 45 minutes, an hour south of Sacramento. Uh, you got a there a left-handed uh, hitting catcher, and those are not terribly common nowadays. And he, the, the scouts are saying, you know, good size. He's got a great swing. He's a fine defender, and he has a chance of being the best, uh, the best hitting catcher, uh, and maybe one of the best hitters, just natural hitters in uh, in baseball in about five years. And that I think is pretty exciting. Um, also, considering he's a high school prospect, and you know how the A's feel about service time and age, because. There's, there's a, t- a ticking clock when it comes to Oakland. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the loser, I mean, the Red Sox have to be, 
I mean, I, I would say well, right I think, now the I think Red you're Sox skipping another winner that may have been in the uh, AL West. That oh, okay, fine. One, one of the people here could have been crying tears of joy. Reed Detmers, yay! Yeah, yeah I don't we go product the lefty southpaw going over to the Angels. Of out of all pitching prospects that I've watched, he Detmers seemed the most MLB ready. Now he's not going to beat you with the velocity. He's going to beat you with command. His control is far none. He has a really solid uh, uh, plethora of pitches to use. I really loved what I saw out of him, and I'm just so grateful the Angels did not decide to just go after another shortstop or outfielder like they do every single year for no reason when those two positions are literally the, the team's biggest strengths. Never made sense, but I at least had to – I wanted to hear Tark uh, just say the Angels were a winner on it. But go ahead. Uh, who do you got as your loser? Yeah, uh, losers. I mean, I'll go with the Angels as owner. I'll say, I'll say that. Um, I'm, it's okay. I can say that and not feel too bad. Um, anyway, so <laughs> for a second, I thought <laughs> when I first took a look at this uh, prospect, I thought it said Tucker Carlson. I could not believe the TV an- announcer from Fox News was able to also play baseball, and I was actually about to be really impressed. But no, it's actually. Uh, Carson Tucker, although it says on here he goes by Cole Tucker. Oh, check that. He's the brother of Cole Tucker. Um, Carson Tucker, uh, now he, I mean, he looks to be a, he looks to have the, the skills of a, of a decent shortstop. I mean, for a first rounder, I mean, obviously you expect a lot out of shortstops defensively and offensively. As a high schooler out, uh, as a senior high schooler from a uh, Mountain Point High School in Arizona. And, Really, uh, his defensive tools took a leap up this last spring, but before then, we're just kind of, uh, you know, like to me, he seems more like a second round pick. Like there, there seems to be a little more to develop there, and especially with these high school uh, prospects, you have to be like, you have to know for sure, like, okay, these, these skills are above all these skills are like above like what we could even imagine uh, an MLB. Uh, five tool player to be and with him i look at him and i say he could be easily up with any of these other guys but he there's a, a little more risk there and i and if i'm the cleveland indians um i'm first of all i'm really thinking that francisco lindor is not going to be around if we're drafting a, a shortstop in the first round and also uh i mean i i think it's a bit of a, a bit of a risk at at uh at 23 um, not to say it's like what the red sox did because that's just like what the what in the world are you doing? But um, yeah. yeah, I'm not a not a huge fan of that pick. So uh, I wasn't a big fan of the the Giants second round pick either. Uh, Sh- Casey Schmidt from San Diego State. Well, I wasn't uh, a fan of the first round pick either. I mean, you're going after another catcher when the DH rule hasn't been approved in 2020. Yeah, when you have Posey, you have Joey Bart. It, it's where's he going? Unless Brandon Belt's being moved and you're going to move Bart to first, I, I don't see why you would do this. Yeah, well. I mean, and that's that's a good point. Although I do think that uh, they will have it approved, and that's the only reason why. And they must like be very confident. And if they're not, and if it doesn't end up happening, then that will be another bad pick. But if it, I think I think it will work out in their favor in that way. But I mean, we talk about two way players now. Casey Schmidt uh, is a guy who uh, is a power hitting third baseman, uh, you know, and he also uh, worked as a reliever, and he has mentioned that he would like to do both. Uh, but the, here's the thing is. Is that he his his tools like he's got a fastball gets up to ninety four he's got a, a spitter or sorry a splitter spitters are illegal nowadays splitter oh, yes sadly oh how how dare they uh, a splitter from seventy seventy seven to eighty miles per hour and he can he helps uh, miss bats with it but the thing is his bat 
has a lot of raw power that needs to be developed. And you, the one thing that you fear here is that he's going to focus a lot of that development on his pitching as well. And his main tool that he that he advertises for his hitting is going to suffer as a result. And that I think because this I don't think this is Shohei Otani 2.0 because Otani was already somewhat developed when he got to uh, when he got to Anaheim. So I I don't know. I feel like this is a very like where they should have probably gone out and gotten a knee that kind of went for the 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 super project. Like if he works out, then oh boy. But uh, I don't know. Second round might be. Might be a bit of a stretch. I, I would have gone like fourth or fifth round just because of his upside, but I, I just it doesn't seem as solid to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I gave my winners and losers, and basically uh, mine and Tarek's aligned pretty well on a recent Instagram post. Three Bro Sports TV. You can you can click the follow button. You can mute us if you really want to, but don't mute us. Come on, we we'll we'll take the follow right notifications now. We're on. at that phase. We'll, yeah, if anything, you can turn the post notifications on. That's an easier one to do, and we would be a little bit more happier as well as there may be a possible giveaway coming up soon. I'm Ooh. not going to oh. spoil any secrets around here, but you oh. guys may want to follow us on our Instagram page, add us on our Twitter, 3 Bros Sports TV. Find us on Facebook, 3 Bros Sports TV. It's easy, or just 3 Bros Sports. It's going to pop up. You find the podcast, you find everything, just type 3 Bros Sports, even on our website that we have completely revamped Brett and Calvin did some major adjustments because that website was screaming 2004, barely (laughs) working on AOL, and now it is a fine-looking website. You guys need to check out all of the writers have their profile page, their own sub-page. They got everything. The article page looks brand new. We got new color schemes into there. New articles are coming up all the freaking time. What are you doing? Why haven't you checked it out? Why am I having to? Yeah, don't make all our like, hard work go to waste, people. Yeah, don't make Connor pop a vein. Let's yeah, get fair. I, I will pop like five veins in my head. And thank God <laughs> we're not recording right now uh, because I don't want to scare off all the viewers. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't, someone here is going to get really unhappy. But besides oh. the point. We're going to take just a quick break. When we come back, we got a special guest coming on. We got Saad Yusuf from the Athletic Dallas-Fort Worth and also ESPN Dallas. He's coming on to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and also just going in to the playoffs starting in July. And we are back, just like I said. Three bros are always still going to be here. We got a special guest with us today. We got Saad Yusuf who works for the dallas uh, the Athletic, Dallas-Fort Worth. I don't know why I already messed that up. And also for ESPN Dallas, all the way since 2015. Mr. Yusuf, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. We always love going over the NBA, especially since it's back, because th- this podcast primarily is all NBA. And I think we're all getting a little antsy waiting for the season to come back on. Now, since you're covering the Mavericks, and the Mavericks – played the last regular season game that actually had fans in attendance i thought it was so interesting even to know that you were there kind of building up to that night like what was the overall feeling about it because i don't think anybody could have imagined like that atmosphere or even thinking that after that game that is the last one of the regular season uh at that time Yeah, I mean, going into it for the entire week, the discussion was that, you know, the NBA is preparing to play without fans and and actually the NHL as well. So, um, you know, we were all like prepared to go into it for for the last couple of weeks. The media was restricted or I think it was just the last week or week and a half. The media was restricted from the locker room. Uh, We were 
we were conducting interviews in a room uh, from a distance and things like that. So there were measures being taken. And uh, and the big conversation at that point, if you remember, even with uh, when LeBron James was asked about playing without fans and he was like, oh, I'm not playing without fans. And so yeah. that was the whole discussion around that time was what would it be like if fans weren't allowed? Because I think, you know, if if the uh, if the virus and everything had gone the way that it was trending at that time, I think that's the step the NBA was ready to take was to play games without fans. But I don't think they anticipated their patient zero coming so early in Rudy Gobert. And so I think that's that's what ultimately led to obviously the suspension. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think that it's so it was so bizarre to begin with because the Warriors, I believe it was like the day before they came out saying we're not playing with any fans uh, or it's going to be like a thousand at, at max. And it was just so weird to hear that throughout the league. It's like, it's just so unprecedented. And especially for the Mavericks, I, I know you've been covering them on ESPN Dallas since 2015. And this is kind of like the first year that the Mavericks are really back after a couple of years of retooling, finding their franchise guy. And I, I think the expectations were getting a lot higher as the Mavericks were just on a tear after Luka came back from uh, his ankle injury. Now, when we're trying to compare the, the, the let's just say the 2014-15 team, because that was the last real contender the Mavericks had. I mean, with a with a lineup of Rondo, Monte Ellis, Chandler Parsons, Dirk, uh, and Tyler uh, Tyson Chandler, like that was a scary, scary team going into the playoffs. And I know the whole Rajon Rondo thing never panned out the way it should have been. But what is the real difference of this team versus? the previous teams back in the Dirk uh, era? Well, I mean, the biggest difference is the identity was completely different back then, right? Because like it was all still revolving around Dirk, which is a power forward and and just a different kind of game. And whereas like now, you know, you play with Luca and also Christos Porzingis. um, Both of these guys are very, um, they play it. It's just a whole different system. I mean, when you're, when you have a point forward, it changes everything. So I think, you know, to have uh, to have Dirk and to have the game revolve around him was was you know it, it was a situation where you have a superstar, but it's not a superstar that that necessarily is going to handle the ball and, uh, and and you know things like that. That's why you needed Rondo. That's why they traded for Rondo. Whereas now with Luca, it's a completely different uh, it, it's a different ball game because now he's your do it all guy. He does everything. So. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. And uh, and when you look back at that team, they really, you know, ever since they won the title, which, by the way, was, you know, uh, exactly nine years ago, it, ever since the Mavericks won the title, they've been trying to just, you know, put together one one year veteran teams. And uh, and it just hasn't worked because, you know, for one reason or another, they just keep coming up short, and that year was, I think, their like you said, it was their it was really their last stab. It was uh, it, it was you know trade Jameer Nelson and and uh, and uh, Jay Crowder and all these guys that they had, which they had a pretty good offense going into December, and trade all of that for Rajon Rondo and see if they can make it work. But uh, but yeah, obviously that flamed out pretty badly. <laughs> it definitely wasn't pretty to say the least. So I just wanted to ask you, there was a recent, um, you know, D- Luka Doncic's trainer came out and made a statement that made people think that, you know, 
Luka Doncic wasn't going to be healthy enough to play. And he clarified his statement saying that, you know, he wasn't game ready and it's impossible for any of these players to be game ready because they haven't played, you know, any games in so long. So uh, I just wanted to ask, do you think that, you know, not even just Luka, just, you know, the basketball players in general, do you think there's going to be a fall off in the first few games back just because it's been so long since these players have actually been in game action? Right. I mean, look, you know, actually what, what the quote that you're talking about with Luca, it was actually a mistranslation that uh, uh, at the athletic Tim Cato, our Mavs beat writer, uh, he talked to the, tra- to Luca's trainer yesterday um, with the story coming out today about just, you know, what he meant and what he actually meant was Luca's not in game shape. And, 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 you know, and then the point that he made was nobody's really in game shape because you can only be in game shape if you're playing games. And so, right. um, you know, you're right. There is going to be a fall off. I think, uh, you know, to, to, to predict anything, it would be kind of foolish because this is unprecedented territory. We've never seen anything like this. I know a lot of people like to compare this to like a full off season because of the duration of time, but in reality, like how much, uh, how many restrictions there have been and things like that. It's, it's, it's way different than an off season as well, or your standard off season. So, I, I think, you know, if you're looking for where there's going to be the biggest drop-off, I would say it's going to be in the shooting department. Um, I, I think the conditioning is something that players over the course of the month-long training camp and uh, and especially the first few games of that eight-game regular season that they're going to play, I think they'll get the conditioning stuff under control. That's just that That's just what I believe. But I think, you know, as far as the, the shooting, which we know the NBA is such a deep shooting and, and, uh, and, and, you know, three point league, I think that's where you're going to see the most dramatic drop off uh, across the league. And, uh, and that's where it's interesting for the Mavericks because obviously Christos Porzingis, the three point shot is a big part of his game. Um, they have a guy in Seth Curry, who's a, who's a sniper. Um, and, and just to see how those guys' shots are going to be, um, is going to be interesting because then you might be relying on Luca even more because Luca is obviously a playmaker who, yes, he has the step back three point shot and things like that, but he creates a lot of stuff inside for his teammates as well. So I think that's where the Mavericks do have uh, an advantage, not necessarily over teams, over other teams, but just in general. And uh, and I think the three point shot is going to take the longest to come back uh, more than anything. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. I mean, it, you're right. It's hard to compare this to just a regular offseason because if it was just a regular offseason, players could go into gyms and actually practice if they didn't have courts or facilities at their homes or access to that sort of thing. You know, there's players out there who live in condos and apartments, you know, first year players that haven't been able to get up shots like, say, a Steph Curry has who has a court in his backyard. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see that drop off. And then you know, also the fact that, you know, if they're playing, they know they can't go back home or possibly they can't see their loved ones or, you know, there's just all this uncertainty surrounding it. So that that mental aspect, I think, is also going to play a big part in, um, yeah. you know, seeing the, the change in the game. Yeah, I think so. I think all those things are, are factors as to why we've seen recently in the last uh, in the last day or two where, where, you know, players have said that they might not even uh, where you know they might not want to actually go back to Orlando, and I think it'll be interesting to see which players um, choose not to go go to Orlando and uh, and continue the season because um, you know it, it's all really it's it, it, 
I wouldn't blame any of them, whether you're doing it for safety reasons, whether you're doing it for family reasons, which which really ties into the safety stuff as well, especially if you've heard the comments of Joe Ingles from the Utah Jazz and, and kind of where he's been in all this. And then, uh, and then there's also the factor of some guys just want to, uh, keep the attention on the Black Lives Matter movement and, and and you know things like that. So there's a lot of different factors in play um, as to why you know certain players might opt out of going to Orlando, and you know that's all still fluid right now and still in discussions. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what teams are, or players are going to do because it has they haven't players have not come out and said of if they are going if they aren't. It's just been a lot of maybe there's going to be some like you always hear the reports about it but there's there's no real certainty as of who uh, like the Spurs and the Wizards have been the big teams talking about it, it it's really it, it's confusing until you see it go down now there has been some recent discussions about the NBA allowing rosters to expand to 17 players i think that also it like excludes out two ways and now going into this uh, throughout this offseason right now, kind of building back up a training camp. Is there anybody that you're seeing the Mavericks may look into as a possible fit to bolster things up? Um, you know, I, n- nobody, nobody, I would say significant that's going to be like, you know, a game changer. I think Ryan Brokoff is the guy who, you know, they had before. Uh, he was kind of a casualty because of the Dwight Powell injury where they had to bolster the front court. And so, um, they had to go get Willie Cauley Stein and 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 you know things like that. And so Ryan Brokoff is a guy that the Mavericks do like, and and you know he fits their system. He's a good shooter, and uh, and he's a guy that the Mavericks could add. And you know I think what what you know something between the lines by expanding the rosters to 17 players, the NBA is basically saying prepare yourself for a positive test of the uh, for COVID 19. And, uh, and, you know, if there is a positive test, we're just going to keep rolling and you're going to have to dig deeper into your roster, which, you know, is kind of the, the position you have to have if you're going to look to start a league back up because starting the league back up was never really a question, in my opinion. It was more about can you keep it going because I think inevitably you are going to run into speed bumps. And, uh, and you know, the NBA seems prepared to – uh, at, at least from the NBA side of things, they seem prepared to keep this going. Now, again, the players, the, the way the players are talking or the way the reports are coming out recently uh, about the players, I'm not even sure that uh, that all the players that we're talking about, that we're anticipating, are, are even going to make the trip to Orlando. Because, you know, uh, this morning, actually, just uh, about an hour, hour and a half ago, um, Chris Haynes of Yahoo, he uh, he put out a tweet that said, you know, significant number of players are disappointed that their voice wasn't heard in the decision to restart the season, and then others believe that uh, black black players being uh, being put in a place to uh, entertain others and and ease the league's economic burden uh, among you know everything that's going on is bad optics. So, you know, now now that you have players saying that, and then you know, uh, and and you, and I believe there was also a follow up with that where. Uh, somebody said that the players are planning another call tonight with 150 players uh, on on the conference call to figure these these things out. So all this stuff is really fluid. Um, don't really know how this is all going to play out. I, I still do think that the NBA will restart in Orlando. I, I just don't know how many players, which players are going to be there, and that's still up in the air.
Yeah, uh, Saad, I have a question for you about the uh, the Mavericks as we get down the stretch um, <clears throat> with eight more games uh, left in the regular season starting on July 30th. Uh, they, cer- they, cr- they certainly um, have had a great season. They're sitting in seventh place right now, but they're only a game and a half behind the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, and I want to ask you, for seeding purposes, uh, at, when the Mavericks head into the postseason, what team would you most like them to face in the first round? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you ask any Mavs fan, the, the obvious answer there is the Denver Nuggets. And for, for multiple reasons, um, you know, except for the fact that Jokic just looks absolutely amazing right now. Uh, all of a sudden he lost oh, like, yeah, he, he lost all that weight and looks really good. But I mean, you know, you talk about that last game that the Mavs played before the stoppage. It was against the Nuggets. And I think they won by like over 10 points and Boban had 31 points. And I mean, that, that was a real game. Like that was not like, you know, some limited, uh, the, the Denver Nuggets were handicapped or anything like that. They, that was a, that, that was a full game. And so I think, you know, I, I don't think that the Mavericks are really um, in a position where, you know, they're trying to make some deep playoff run. And when I say trying, obviously the players are, but I don't think they're equipped to, to necessarily do that this year. However, you want a matchup that really is a favorable matchup for you and uh, and is is at a place where, you know, you can gain valuable playoff experience. Right now, they're matched up against the Clippers. And, you know, I'd be shocked if that one went, went, went you know, beyond five games, maybe six games, um, and the Clippers would take that one pretty handedly because it's a deep roster with a good coach and, and uh, elite superstars at the top of their game. Whereas, you know, the Denver Nuggets, they have one superstar – who is still like, you know, in his fourth year, he's still kind of building up. Um, and they have a guy that can kind of match up as a big man in Kristaps Porzingis. And then Luca is kind of there to, to, you know, weather the storm the rest of the way. So I think the Nuggets match up really well. That's the team that the Mavericks would like to face. That's the team that I think the Mavericks could take to six or seven games and have a legitimate chance to upset and get to the second round. Whereas right now with the Clippers, I, I don't really give them that much of a chance to advance to the second round. Yeah, I mean, when you got uh, Super Kawhi and Paul George, uh, it, I mean, that's that's a tough squad down there in L.A. Why, why, L.A. has the two best teams. I mean, come on. It just, oh, man. Right. But anyway, that's a different story. I Being from Sacramento, we have to get mad at L.A. It's part of our uh, blood. But I should, uh, I'll should. i ask one follow-up question here. Uh, as we look at the Dallas Mavericks roster, uh, with free agency coming up, obviously, right after the season ends, it sounds like two days or something like that because everything is so compacted together. Uh, what what player would you like the Mavericks to go after in free agency to really set this team into the next level to get to the com- competition to get into the championship competition to contention? Uh, unlike this year, where it looks more like they're building to be that contender next year. What is that player for the Dallas Mavericks? Well, I I think you know that the third superstar is 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 something that the Mavericks would love to have, but it's also interesting because the NBA in general has gone uh, from a super team league to a two superstar team throughout the league, kind of, you know, whether you look at um, both of those teams in LA that you pointed to um, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um, uh, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And, and the Mavericks have those two superstars in place. So I think, you know, when you look at the flavor of the league right now, the Mavericks are right in pace and one of the biggest things is, and whether it's a frustration for this season or just a fact of the matter is, 
the Mavericks have a lot of the tools that they need to play well. It's just they need time and experience. They need the playoff experience. Luka just turned 21 years old a couple of months ago. Kristaps Porzingis has never played in a playoff game before. So they need the experience of, the, uh, of, of you know, just time. And then as far as what you need to add, look, I think they need to add a good number three weapon. And, uh, and whether that be, you know, someone who is uh, lethal from deep, whether it's someone who just has lockdown defense, whatever it is, they have a few guys on the roster right now that kind of fit that mold, but aren't quite number threes. They're more number four, fives, and bench pieces. I'm talking like, you know, they need a, for example, they need a better version of a Seth Curry or a better version of a Dorian Finney-Smith to be that number three. And I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has showed that, you know, he's he's a good player. But again, he does this often in contract years. We haven't seen this consistently from him. And I do think that he's still better equipped to be, you know, a, a role player than to be a number three player that you rely heavily on. No, you're right. I mean, we, we can always look back to uh, Hardaway's time uh, with the Hawks after his, uh, with the Knicks, then going right back over to the Knicks. It's always been... Either it's either he's completely on fire or he's not. It's kind of like a Jeff Green, but at shooting guard. But before I let you go, thank you so much for coming on. Now I know we've always been talking about the current Mavericks going into the playoffs, into this uh, strange postseason format of who we don't even know who's actually going to be in it. I'll kind of end it off with, with more of a fun one. Now you've been covering the Mavericks for about five years, or even a little more. If you had to assemble your starting five roster for that for the Mavericks out of all five of those years to go into Orlando to compete what roster would you go with now you can use the player of that year it doesn't have to be how they're playing right now but it can be of how of the uh that season's version of them Ooh, that's a tough one um I, I think, you know, if you're talking about just the from the time that I've been covering them I'll go with obviously Luca and KP from this year I'll go from the gimme, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think you know I'll have KP play center. I'll have uh, I'll have my power forward be Dirk from from you know the first year that I was covering them. I still think that's probably the best uh, best option there. And then from there it gets you know the other two spots. It's tough because um, I, I don't think the Mavs have just been you know kind of flooded with that talent. I think there's I think at one spot I would. And, you know, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I think on one spot I would probably take Wesley Matthews um, for his defense. Um, and then the other spot I, I'll probably still take Seth Curry or uh, or Dorian Finney-Smith depending on if I want my team to be more defensive-oriented or offensive-oriented because, you know, those guys are still guys that fit in well with Luka. And, uh, and, and that's ultimately that's what – that's all that matters is how do you fit in with Luka Doncic. And so – um, you know, it, it kind of makes it easier to have those two years in between where there really was nobody on the roster to even, you know, really choose from. But, um, but yeah, I think that, that that's probably what my team would look like because it sets Luca up for, for success. Yeah, definitely. If you can build the right team around Luca, it, it, it's game over. As, as we are Sacramento Kings fans, or excluding Brett, it was tough with the whole Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley thing. Uh, long story, uh, we don't try to get into those flashbacks, as I may have actually been a bigger supporter of Bagley. Uh, Bagley's yeah. better. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. But, uh, Mr. Yusuf, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, any other articles you're working on for the Athletic Dallas-Fort Worth? 
Yeah, you know, doing a few media articles that'll be that that are kind of fun big features to do for next week, but really, you know, the the big thing that I'm doing from a Maverick standpoint is uh is I started a series uh last or uh, yesterday um where every week from now until the season starts, I'm going to be doing film breakdowns and uh, analysis of one player uh every week until uh, for the next 8 weeks. So, of course, it started with Luka Doncic yesterday. Um, Christoph Porzingis next week, and then we'll go on from there until the season starts to get fans ready and remind them of what the Mavericks team actually looked like um, almost five months ago when the season actually starts in July. Well, I can't wait to start reading them as well as I got my athletic subscription. Uh, Mr. Yusuf, I want to thank you just so much for coming on, man. We'd love to have you on again soon once the postseason does begin. Yeah, anytime. Uh, really good talk to you guys. And that was Saad Yusuf for you guys. Now, I should have done a better job explaining this as we're going to transition into the next interview with our special guest, Matt Brooks. Brett was unable to join us for this interview as we got to keep making that money, get that dough. Brett's got work he had to go attend. So me and Tark are going to do the interview together. Now, I did want to at least give a heads up. Um, The first... I would say from about 30 seconds to about a minute, there will be an echo. My audio quality will sound a lot worse. In the beginning, there was a little bit of an issue with the software we were using. Nonetheless, fixed it. Shout out to Tarek for telling me that there was an echo because I didn't hear it because it was my mistake. But without further ado, Matt Brooks, SB Nation, Brooklyn Nets. Let's go. And we are back. We got another special guest. Joining us today, we got we to gotta switch it up. We got one from the West Coast. We got to go out to the East Coast of the Brooklyn Nets. And who better than Matt Brooks, reporter who covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Nets Daily. Actually, this is a fun fact. The Nets Daily, as I'm a Sacramento Kings fan, Nets Daily is actually my most favorite SB Nation account to be following. And I've been following for a long time. I'm just, I just want to get that out there. I'm not just trying to throw in my own bias there. But Mr. Brooks, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, it's funny to hear that you're a Kings fan. I, I went to school at uh, at University of the Pacific, so I watched a lot of Kings growing. Uh, well, I guess really during college. So that's funny to hear that. I always like to hear. Uh, I'm from California. California. Yeah, all so. th- all three of us are actually. We're uh, from yeah. Sacramento. I recently moved out east, so a couple hours away from Brooklyn. But it's all it's always it's a rarity to see other Sacramento Kings fans or people who actually know that the Kings actually exist or even care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or care either one of them, but let's just kind of dive straight into what's going on throughout the NBA realm. Now there's been a three month hiatus and it sucked. I think for all of us, I mean, especially when we're trying to do a podcast, I know, especially for you when you're trying to making up articles and everything, it's tough to go over the same stuff for over three months in a row. Now with this, with the chance of the NBA season starting July 30th, there's some players that may not want to play some that will, what are your thoughts about this going on in Orlando? And if, this should actually happen because a lot of players are now starting to say there's some backlash to it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of seems like they, uh, they were able to lock it down with the owners and, and probably the most, the most wealthy, most famous players in the league, especially ones that are going to be going for a title. Um, and now you're kind of hearing like some of the other guys, whether it's like, you know, role players or guys that are on teams that may not go as far and they're kind of aware of that. Um, 
they, they it, it just seems it like just there's going like to be this natural disconnect. Not everybody's going to be on the same page, but the important step I think was taken in that they were able to get the owners and the star players on the same page. Yeah, and uh, also uh, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets um, <clears throat> heading in into the this final stretch, obviously uh, we mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast, but we'll say it again. Uh, there are a lot of um, there are. I think your uh, net income mentioned this on uh, Nets Daily, which I agree. I think is fantastic. Uh, what you guys do on the SB Nation uh, w- website is a lot of fun. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, players out there that are currently uh, that are free agents uh, that can be signed that can be added to uh, teams to be used, uh, especially if they expand rosters to 17 players, as we've been hearing for Orlando. Now, what players do you see being the most likely to, uh, to be added to Brooklyn uh, to help this stretch run? Uh, I think there's one, I don't want to say it's a guarantee, but I'd be really surprised uh, if Chris Chioza doesn't get added to the roster. Um, okay. That was already going to be a big sticking point for them as is. They, he was a two-way player, came on really strong, had this nice performance against Boston, really vital. Yeah. I know Karis LeVert was kind of the star, the star of the show there, but um, just had a lot of pace and, and really moved the ball well in, in the way that really nobody on the roster did this year. So he, I think he – I don't want to say he's a guarantee, but he's damn near it. And then it'll be somebody else, you know, um, I, you know NI was or, – or net income was all over it, so he, he tweeted out. Something about both the two-way players. It could be that option. Maybe we see Iman Shumpert again, although I doubt it. it could Iman be Shumpert, else. the we, king of the we scores. Know. Yep. <laughs> we know all about him. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, it, you know, I, I don't know who that second one is. I, I'm not even sure if they would play that much. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that Chioza is the big one for me. And then from there, it's kind of like whatever. It could be a, a, a just about anybody that they could throw out there. Yeah, Alan yeah, I mean, come up too. <laughs> I mean, Amon Trumper always has a special place in my heart for what he was able to do for the city of Sacramento and only like 40 games played. And I saw throughout social media that everybody felt the same way uh, when he was on the net of like, he's just that yeah. grindy type player. Uh, he doesn't even really need to do much on the floor, but he's going to make an impact overall with the team, especially with the locker room. Now, the Nets season per se hasn't been... I think up to the expectations that many may have had him at. Now we knew that Kevin Durant wasn't going to play. That was a given throughout the beginning, but to start off the year without Wilson Chandler for 25 games, Kyrie getting injured 11 games in, I mean, in the, and so far for him this year out of the 20 games, I mean, he's only they're eight and 12 when he's there. It's only nine out of the 20 games. He's actually had a positive impact on the game in the, in the plus minus, which, uh, give or take could be the most underrated or most overrated stat in the game of basketball that we're looking at now. I mean, Kenny Atkinson gone. This season's been kind of a whirlwind. And now kind of going into more of Kenny Atkinson, how much of the blame really falls on to him, especially after such a successful season last year and him being a defensive-minded coach, you're still 10th in defensive rating. How much of this blame throughout the season really goes on him, or is this more of just the injuries have just derailed everything? Um, I mean, I've been kind of in the camp of, like, it seems like he's lost the locker room for a while now, really since um, I, I was at the game in Memphis where they lost, or the one against Memphis in Brooklyn, uh, where they lost by 40. And, and it took, it was weird. It took him, like, 
because uh, Kenny's the first one that comes out for the pressers. Um, it took him, what, like 15, 20 minutes to come out? It should usually take like five. So we were all sitting around like, where is this guy at? Like, what's going on? And, uh, and, and it just seemed like that was an unusual situation. Then it comes out a couple of weeks later. I was actually in uh, Toronto um, on vacation, and, and I, you know, I get the update like everybody else that he's gone. I'm kind of in shock, but it, just with more and more information coming out, it seemed like that he just lost the locker room. Guys were unsure of their roles. And then we had that thing that came out last week, and I'm actually forgetting who, who originally put this information out. I think this was Sean's, right, I believe, about the, uh, the offense being an offense that was better retrofitted for D'Angelo Russell than, than Durant and Kyrie, which yeah, I, I don't really understand that considering it's an – I mean, what they basically did was they ran everything through Russell and they ran everything through Dinwiddie. So I'm assuming that's probably what Kyrie and KD would want to do is run a ton of pick and roll, maybe run sets that involve the two of them, or even just if those things break down, run like isolation and let those guys do what they do best. I'm confused by that personally. I I have not seen an explanation for why that exactly makes sense. Um, I I thought it was a weird thing to come out last week, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, I think it was the the roles, the, the lack of clarity for certain guys that, I would assume is why he's gone, unless it really is just they wanted their own guy in there. Yeah, I mean, if, if you really want to say it's about the whole D'Angelo Russell thing, I think uh, myself and Tara could uh, speak uh, firsthand uh, that we saw D'Angelo Russell uh, go, go completely crazy in Kenny Atkinson's offense, and uh, maybe in a yep. particular yeah. game against Sacramento that we spent Man. some good money <laughs> to go watch. back to Sacramento, jeez. <laughs> There's too many well, times today. You know, all all Kings fans do, they they just get depressed. I mean, Matt, I'm sorry to say, Matt, but it's so true. Our last playoff appearance happened uh, when I think uh, Theodore Roosevelt was president. And, uh, you know, it's been a while. It wasn't Zachary Taylor. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. It was General Zachary Taylor. Took office, uh, and, and and back then, you know, they didn't have the trains. They actually they took uh, carriages to games. Uh, you know, I left right. Darren Fox on the horse. You know, <laughs> but uh, I do this have a question. True, <laughs> I do have to ask. Well, I, um, uh, oh, sorry. Go go ahead, my, Matt. No, no, I was gonna say I could do a whole podcast on the uh, the Iman Shumpert uh, Kings era. Like that's a oh, that was what I, I think I wrote. Do. We'll join you. Like, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll write a tribute I, song. A lot of Kings basketball, man. <laughs> Yeah, we Iman, can all write our own I'm, tributes about it. <laughs> Iman, come back, Iman. See, there, there's there been petitions throughout the Sacramento region of to bring him back, but I, I, I always go on about him forever off the camera, but uh, off mic. But now, after the Kenny Atkinson issue, now Jacques Vaughn, he he was he was well known as an assistant in San Antonio, moved over to the Magic, maybe wasn't as successful as a stint there. What is he gonna bring? to change the dynamic of this Nets team? Like, what have you seen specifically maybe throughout his offensive sets? Does it cater better off to Kyrie? Or is this just kind of a short-term gap for Kyrie to possibly get his guy and Tyron Lue, as it's been reported, that's who we want? Uh, I would probably lean toward the, the latter of the two. The biggest difference of anything that I saw. And like, again, we're looking at like a three game sample. So I yeah. <laughs> don't really know if I can make any like declarative statements about how good of a coach Jacques Vaughn is. Um, offensively, they were pretty much just about the same. Spencer Dinwiddie took a few more mid range shots, but I, I think that part of Kenny Atkinson was a little, I, I think a little overdone where he just wouldn't allow guys to shoot from the mid range. I think Kyrie was taking like, excuse me, four or five a game this year. So 
Um, I, I, the defense thing was the biggest thing that I saw. They ran a little bit of switching D against the Lakers, kind of trapped pretty hard, uh, tried to get the ball out of LeBron and AD's hands. But again, this is one game. Like, I don't know if that's going <laughs> to, that's going to yeah. be the, the status quo with, with Jacques Vaughn as being this crazy, uh, game to game, you know, uh, malleable coach. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think that more likely he's, he's looking at this opportunity and I, I do hope for his sake, I think he more than just about anybody on the Nets roster is the one that's going to come up from the, the ability to play in this Orlando turn. If it does happen. Um, Cause I, I think he's probably going to be coaching for another job. I've kind of stood by that since day one. Um, he's mm. been an assistant coach there. And uh, I, I just, you know, based on everything that it seems like where this team is going, it kind of feels like one of those, you know, um, like late, late run Miami heat teams where it's going to be a really kind of older veteran laden team, you know, the, the right guy in charge, maybe not an unproven coach in a way. And they're just going to sort of run with that. They're going to run with something that's a little bit more proven in a way that would be my assumption, but I could be wrong. Again, he has the most to gain from this. If they do an incredible job, he looks like the next great coaching mind. And yeah, maybe this is a situation where kind of like Tyron Lou, he's the one, who gets that job and is the unexpected face to take over? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if, if uh, Connor, if you could, I elaborate on that real quick. I wanted, Go to, ahead. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to elaborate on this topic for a second. Um, so if if it's not Vaughn and if it's not Lou, uh, let's say we're at fast forward to the beginning of next season, which is in six months apparently. Um, <laughs> who do you see? Like, if you get out your crystal ball out there, uh, your Brooklyn crystal ball. Uh, who do you see uh, besides Lou or Vaughn as a, a really good fit for this uh, Brooklyn Nets squad? I mean, I think it would have to be somebody that's going to be from one of these playoff teams that I, I, I mean, it's probably Lou. It could be like Phil Handy, although I think he would be an mm. assistant coach more likely. Mm. Um, that's the one that yeah. was floating around this week. So I, I don't know. I, I, I would say for them, they're probably going to make a really calculated decision in that they're going to wait to see. Now, again, this is all dependent upon if this tournament in Orlando happens. But if any coach does happen to lose his job, maybe a Mike D'Antoni from Houston. Yep. or I was going to say D'Antoni, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody like that, if that happens, then maybe they'll make that um, – they'll, they'll make a decision based off that. But – yeah. Right now, I, I don't think they're really in a rush right now. I guess Lou is still the favorite right now. It's one of those things where he's been around so much that I almost have a little bit of attrition from it. But <laughs> the reasoning behind hiring him still probably makes the most sense. If him yeah. and Kyrie are as close as people say, which tends to vary from report to report. Yeah, so you, now, think, that, like... yeah, so, uh, you think that Kyrie and KD are going to have a big part in this hiring process? That's like they're like you, you think they're going to go with a candidate that's not going to go against like their their liking. Would you agree with that? Uh, I yeah, I definitely do now after the the report that came out last week from some <laughs> about the offense. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, heavily made by those guys. Personally. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see as well because I think D'Antoni would be phenomenal for Kyrie and Katie. Oh, just yeah. just go run. The fast break offenses with DeAndre Jordan, and you also got Jared Allen running across the wings. All the, all the opportunity for Joe Harris to stretch out the floor. I, I think it would be so much fun to watch. It, it'd definitely be interesting fit as you'd have to move a couple extra pieces around that maybe aren't as ball dominant. It, it, it There's a lot of question marks up in the air as of what his job security really is, but who knows about that now kind of going into this Orlando tournament players have been given a long time 
to uh, take a take a break. And while for the Nets, that could hurt some players like Karis LeVert, who's been going crazy uh, like the last 10 games. I think it was averaging 27 a game. Uh, Dinwiddie was doing his thing out there. The Nets seemed as if they, they started to get onto a roll. They ended off on a three-game winning streak. Going in, is there anybody that you're kind of expecting with this break is going to shine out there, maybe help the Nets become more of a sleeper team throughout the playoffs, or anybody come to mind? <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm still snoozing on the Nets a little bit, even though I'm covering them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I, 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 uh. I don't know. I mean, it kind of depends who they play, but I, I just I don't even think people in Brooklyn here, they're kind of looking at next year already, looking at the calendar. Uh, really? I, I guess you could say, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's like an overwhelming sense of like, the Nets are going to – they might win a game or two in the playoffs, but I would not say that they have the ability to – I mean, just, again, those top two seeds, Toronto and, and Milwaukee, yeah. Toronto's such a tough get for them. That's just such a well-oiled <laughs> machine. Um, and a, a tough get, I, really a tough go for uh, for Vaughn, who, who you know, is going to be coaching <laughs> for a, a, a big job either in yeah. Brooklyn or somewhere else. So I, I would probably say – I mean, the, again, the top – top three guys if i was to to try to prophesize about this a little bit karis is the name that comes to mind although i could actually see dinwiddie really kind of rubbing things up again with a little bit of time off just felt like they kind of ran him into the ground a little bit just with the amount of usage and just how tough they played everything through him for the first couple of months so i would say karis chioza who i've already mentioned once i think he could be a big winner potentially earn himself a real guaranteed spot on next year's roster and and allow them to reconfigure the roster the way they want to with either a, a second or third point guard on the roster in him. Um, and then Vaughn, again, I, I, I think those are the three guys that could win from this the most. I don't think they're going to make a ton of noise in the playoffs per se, but I do think it'll help them iron out certain decisions as to who is going to fit around Kyrie and KD. Do you really think they're going to win one game in a series with the Raptors or Bucks? And I'm not, I do not mean to sound like a no. really mean person. <laughs> I, as, a, no. as a Kings fan, I, I've always wondered what the playoffs are like, and I feel like I'm, you know, like, do you really think we're going to wear that? But, like, do you honestly see this series going, like, six or seven games, like, down the stretch, you know? No. No, I think at best they're going to win one or two. I mean, it could be, like, the situation last year where you have the, the Magic beating the Raptors in game one because of DJ Augustine going <laughs> – out of nowhere yeah. maybe that's the situation but uh, uh i don't know I, <laughs> I, stranger things I mean, happen. winning two games <laughs> exactly yeah. stranger things have always happened and now before i let you go mr brooks thank you so much for coming on now i saw recently in a tweet that you were talking about um you're basically if you built up a lineup of your top five uh players I, I commented back on it. If you had to build up your starting five of it all throughout the Brooklyn Nets of your favorite guys out there, who would you be going with? Now, I saw I saw all Theo right. Pinson, if I'm not mistaken. I, 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 rebutt, I rebutted with, why don't you do all five Quincy Aces, as we can agree <laughs> oh, on some common ground God. about him. Connor. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Don't even joke no, I'm about not. that. Oh, my gosh. If you're going to be going with your starting five throughout this, who are you running with? And if you wanted to put them into the Orlando tournament as well, you, you could replace the Nets team and put them with this starting five. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Uh, this was uh, this is Billy Reinhardt's tweet, who is my teammate and, and uh, colleague at Nets Daily. He did this big thing. I just said five Travion Graham. 
because ah, that Graham, was, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was trying I to mean, pull up the tweet. I'm scrolling and I'm like, what is it? What's the name again? I, I wrote an article last year when I was working at a company called Elite Sports New York, and it was like this big thing about uh, Travion Graham as this glue guy for them. And I, I got dunked on, man. Like I've gotten dunked on for certain articles before, but uh, I got dunked on. Everybody's like, why are you writing up this guy who is like probably not going to be on the roster next year? This was like summer. Summer NBA is always a funny time because you're kind of you're scratching for stories here and there. But yeah, that was uh, I, I've kind of leaned into that. That's become my uh my my meme in a sense no i mean i think honestly an actual starting five if i'm going to give you it uh i you have to have Kyrie kd um i i need to think about how he how he made this tweet was it it was i'm assuming it's in the brooklyn era so you'd want brooke lopez um shooting guard i guess you'd want joe johnson and then i need a small forward let's go travion graham perfect we'll get him in there <laughs> no, i was gonna okay. ask why not why not troy murphy the Nets great oh, when yeah, they went to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about KG? What about KG? Yeah, oh yeah, old KG. So I, I grew up. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of. I've watched a lot of really bad teams. If you can't tell, uh, I grew up watching the Timberwolves a lot. My dad's from Minnesota, uh, so that's I, I watching Brooklyn KG versus the KG I, I saw growing up. Um, same thing. Very different. Same thing. Story. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. I mean, they both they both wear Garnett. I mean, it's the same player yep. pretty much. Yep, yeah. yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, it's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> but, Mr. Yeah, Brooks, exactly. I want to th- thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, is there any other articles you're working on right now for SB Nation that's coming out soon? Uh, no, I need to get back on it. That's a great reminder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'm going to be getting back to it. I, I do a lot of film study stuff. We're kind of in this weird, like, layover period where I'm like, I'm not sure if I should start writing playoff articles yet or – or uh, kind of approach it as like the season is done, but I'll be getting back on it the next couple of days. So yeah, you can find me at Matt Brooks NBA on Twitter and I'm, I'm creating stuff for the most part. <laughs> all the time. You, hear, you heard it here, folks. You better be following him. Yep. I better see that follow number go right up after this podcast is up. <laughs> Mr. Brooks, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'd love to have you come back on once the playoffs start. Yeah. Let's hope we get there, man. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope for the best here. <laughs> And that was Matt Brooks for you. And also Saad Youssef, two amazing guests coming on today. It's a special podcast for us. Normally we don't do multiple guests, but you know what? I wanted to give you guys a special treat. I felt it was a special day. Connor, you're a saint. I know, Tarek. Thank you. I know. I try my best. You're so selfless as well. (laughs) I'm just so humble about it. There was a movie called Rockstar where the host was named Connor. And I I took a couple pieces from the Connor humbleness handbook. And I just, I implemented it for today. But guys, I hope you guys did enjoy today's podcast. Check out all of our latest articles. Uh, Calvin just came up with his latest NHL one. You guys got to check out 3 mm. It's a totally revamped page. Tarek's working on his own article right now. I'm working on mine. I know Garrett Roth, you haven't heard of him much, but you will be soon because he's coming out with a really interesting one I know you guys would love to check out about the oldest baseball pool in America. Now, this is before fantasy fo- baseball was around where you had to Wait, so you take a dive technology. in the pool or like, is that how it uh, works? Sadly not. I, I wish it uh, was, but it, it's not that simplistic. Oh, it's the other kind of pool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. You're, getting, you're getting it, Tark. You're getting I'm it. getting but anyways, there. Anyways, guys, hope you guys did enjoy it. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Connor. I'm Tarek. Have a good one.
Three Bros Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring this podcast and Benjamin Tissot on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Shut up and sit down.